Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses about how to be more eco-friendly every day. From gardening to thrifting, minimalism to veganism, sustainable business owners to influencers, environmentalists to activists, we are all on a journey to taking better care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. This episode is sponsored by Valdoho, a plastic-free safety razor brand. More about Valdoho later. It's Earth Week with Earth Day falling on April 22nd this year and every year. It's a time to me to think about how lovely this planet is and how much it takes care of us. I feel like a lot of times we think about negative news in you know, the media and things going on around the world in regards to climate change and human rights and animal rights and just everything having to do with the earth not being in the best health. And I think that Earth Week and Earth Month and Earth Day is a great time to just appreciate everything that Earth has to offer. During this time of year, I can't help but to be in a good mood. You know, the leaves are turning green and flowers are blooming and the weather is warming. And I just feel like it's such a beautiful time to enjoy this beautiful planet that we have. So I try my best not to be too pessimistic about the state of the planet. And I try to avoid bad news about climate change and all of that, and just to enjoy the planet and participate in some cleanups, which is what I'm doing this Earth Day. I'm going to a litter cleanup locally with Keep Noonan Beautiful in my hometown and, you know, just enjoy the Earth. So I thought that Earth Day, Earth Week was a great time to have on the literal climate optimist who keeps me going every week with her weekly Earth wins. If you are unaware, Zahra Biabani is the literal queen when it comes to climate positivity. Every Friday on Instagram, she shares weekly Earth wins, and she's just giving positive climate news that's going on around the world. And seeing her post every week really gives me optimism. It makes me happy and just looking forward to seeing more positive news and realizing that everything isn't always doom and gloom, although it sometimes feels like it. But before we get too deep into that, I want to remind you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super easy to do on any Apple device. Just search for Sustainable Brown Girl Podcast and be sure to follow if you aren't already. Then scroll down to the review area and I'm sure you want to leave a five-star review, so go ahead and do it. It really helps us with getting more people to discover the show. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and I will feature it in an upcoming episode. 
If you're not already, be sure to follow Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and use the hashtag Sustainable Brown Girl to be featured on the page. I love seeing what everyone's up to, their sustainable swaps, their outfit inspo. So I love sharing that on Instagram. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday to this podcast or our YouTube channel to catch up on the latest episode. We do release every Thursday. It should be posted by 10 a.m. Eastern. So check us out whenever you can. Also, if you didn't know, we record the video from almost all of our podcast interviews. So if you want to see the full video versions, head over to the Sustainable Brown Girl YouTube channel and subscribe. Sometimes our guests will show something to the camera that you obviously can't see if you're just listening to the audio. And it's so much fun to be able to see all of these Sustainable Brown Girls live. A link to the video for this episode is in the show notes. Now let's get into this amazing, uplifting conversation that I had with Zahra. Today's featured Sustainable Brown Girl is Zahra Biabani, also known as Soulful Seeds on Instagram, where she shares weekly earth winds to highlight environmental good news around the world. Zahra is a recent Vanderbilt University graduate and founder of In The Loop, a clothing rental platform that makes sustainable fashion more accessible. Thanks so much for joining us today, Zahra. Thank you for having me, Ariel. Yay. So let's go way back to the beginning. Tell us how your sustainable journey began. Yeah. So around 2017, uh, when Hurricane Harvey touched down in Houston, which is where I'm from, um, I was kind of more on the track of working in social justice. I definitely knew about climate change and cared about it, but definitely it, it wasn't my central focus. Um, and I mm -hmm. definitely didn't have any idea or conceptualization about climate justice. So yeah. I was working at a social services agency during the time in a gap year between college. And I saw so many people, mostly black and brown people who were coming in uh, because they lost everything in Hurricane Harvey and it mm -hmm. they weren't getting adequate help from the government and FEMA, and they were just left uh, alone and with nothing. Um, and that continued for months and months after. I mean, there are people up to nine months after the hurricane touchdown that still didn't have a home and were staying in hotels or with family members. So I think that experience really opened up my eyes to one, the intensity, the severity, and the urgency of the climate crisis, and also its disproportionate impacts on marginalized communities um, and how it really intersected with social justice. And it's not really possible to address one without addressing the other. And so after that, I went to Vanderbilt University and I studied um, environmental sociology and earth and environmental science. And I just felt my interest coalesce around all of those things. Um, yeah. And my, my blog, Soulful Seeds, which was originally about wellness and faith, kind of just became more about sustainability. And it has kind of more from there. Yeah. Wow. I've heard a lot of people say that their, I guess, knowledge of like climate change happened after a natural disaster. So yeah, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. So um, with your degree, I know that, you know, you're also starting your own business. Like, 
how does that kind of fall into place? Yeah, well, I never, it's an interesting landscape of being like a digital creator, educator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And although it is to some degree definitely fulfilling, I, I think it's not everything that I wanted to do. I think that sometimes social media at just in general can be harmful and especially with younger generations and short form content and its virality. It's so mm-hmm. easy for a lot of like important context and nuance to slip through the cracks. So I felt unsatisfied with kind of doing that on its own and mm-hmm. wanted to really put into practice and pioneer something that really took the values that I espouse through that educational platform and put them into high gear and and action. So In The Loop is a rental clothing subscription service specifically for vetted sustainable and ethical fashion brands. And our main goal is to make sustainable and ethical fashion accessible to everyone. Because again, with the younger generations, um, these are the people who really, really care the most, the, the generations that really, really care the most about aligning their values with their purchases, um, or I guess aligning their purchases with their values. And yeah. the unfortunate thing is that they're typically not able to do so because of financial reasons, um, because of general economics and you know how we've been primed to accept fast fashion prices as the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, young people can't necessarily afford a $50 shirt, even though that $50 shirt is compensating the workers for their efforts Mm -hmm. and also um, going towards research and development of more eco-friendly materials. So anyways, long story short, uh, we're on a mission to just make it more accessible for everyone because we think that's necessary in order for sustainable fashion to displace the hold that fast fashion has on the entire fashion industry. Yes. Yes. That's so true. Like um, sustainable fashion is kind of expensive. It's like a hundred dollars for a pair of jeans when you're used to spending like 40, you know, that's a a big difference. So how is that going to work? You know, like how, how can we rent things? Yeah. So we are um, launching our, our beta test in June, but Basically, there's two different options um, for the start, and it's you can rent on a one-time basis. So if you have a special event, like a wedding, a birthday party, graduation, um, you can choose a piece to rent, and you can have it for four, three, three and a half to four weeks, um, and wow. then you just send it back at the end. Um, and then there's also a rent-to-buy option. So at the end of the period, if you really like that item, you can purchase it. And then the subscription option is you get three pieces from, you know, these variety of vetted brands that you choose at your own uh, prerogative and three pieces for $70 a month. Um, So we're trying, you know, it's definitely difficult to do pricing. We understand that $70 a month is still not super accessible for like high school student who's not making any, any money and, um, but, you know, under $25 per piece is far below what the 
going rate and the MSRPs are for these yeah. sustainable and ethical brands. So that's kind of how the model is starting out with. But um, basically, when they're done renting, they send it back to us. Um, and we clean it and we don't use dry cleaning because that has a very large footprint and uses a bunch of chemicals that are not good for the workers who are doing the cleaning. Um, mm-hmm. And then we put it back in our warehouse, which is my garage, and then um, <laughs> we wait for the next person to rent it out. Wow, that's awesome. Thanks. That's like really exciting because, you know, we have grown up in the culture where it's like, oh, you always want to have something new, you know, and it's not you know, of course, the best for the environment to always be buying new things. But yeah. this way, you kind of get the satisfaction of getting something new while also having a smaller impact. So I love that. Exactly. And it's our, our another main goal of ours is to really uplift smaller labels and designers yes. um, who are, you know, doing really innovative things like Tons of small labels are just not even using any new fabrics. They're totally um, upcycling everything that they have. And um, it's hard for these small labels to do demand planning because they can only really produce for a certain amount of people. And they typically just have a few loyal customers. Um, But in order to grow, they really need to be able to look at the data and see what's working, what's not trends and so we're providing that data to them when they're also in their next two um, larger brands like girlfriend collective that are also on our website so um we're definitely trying to uplift designers small labels who are struggling especially post-pandemic right exactly so i know you're just kind of starting out but can you tell us some of the brands that you're gonna be offering yeah for sure so for the beta launch we're working with around seven brands so um off the top of my head uh we have grant boulevard um there yeah. yeah do you know yeah um yeah she was love, on the podcast oh my gosh okay i love kimberly yeah. um so we have yeah. Grant boulevard we have girlfriend collective we have harper sage um, we have uh, Loti, and we have Natalia Trevino Amaro. We have a Boyish Jeans um, and Selva Negra. Nice. Yeah. That's so exciting. Is it easy to get brands on board with what you're doing? Honestly, that's like definitely the easiest part. Initially, wow. I have a co-founder. Her, her name is Megan McSherry. Um but and initially we were like, had this whole pitch deck for each brand and we thought that would be the hardest part, but it's not, yeah. not at all. It's the hardest wow. part is definitely on the back end with like logistics and shipping and trying to do yeah. all these things in a, in a very earth friendly manner. But all the brands yeah. have been really excited. Um, I think it really obviously helps that we're working with values aligned brands um, mm-hmm. that want to integrate into the circular economy. Yes, yes, that's awesome. So um, let's talk about greenwashing and the fashion industry. Like, I mean, I guess on a broad note, what are some things, I guess maybe when you're looking at different brands to work with, have you like been like, oh, this looks like a good brand. And then you do a little bit more digging and you're like, oh no, they're greenwashing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think retros, 
you know, in, in retrospect, I've, I've mm-hmm. had one instance where that was like, I was really excited about an initiative, but I, and I yeah. looked into it, but not with that much discretion. I kind of accepted what I saw at face value. Um, mm-hmm. It was with a, like a very large sportswear brand. So it was honestly, it was in my very early days of being in the space. And I was just like honored to get that opportunity. And um, I saw that they had applied and received some sort of fair, it wasn't fair trade, but it was like a fair trade knockoff accreditation. And <laughs> oh, I was gosh. like, oh, that's awesome. Um, but yeah. yeah, failed to kind of do that due diligence. Um, there's definitely a fine line between I want to promote any, you know, my job as an influencer is to educate and promote um, and inspire, I, 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 I guess. But in terms of promotion, there's a fine line between endorsing initiatives that are that big brands are pioneering, which it is difficult. Mm-hmm. Like it's very difficult for a large conglomerate to like fully shift their business model. You know, it's not possible. Right. Um, right. And it is admirable when they start the process by creating a line or, you know, starting this initiative. But at the same time, like that's not truly sustainable. And I would prefer to only work with brands that at their root, at their core are like fully founded on these values that I can get behind. But unfortunately, those brands typically don't have that, you know, like a budget um, because they're smaller and... So there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of nuances with that. I think um, my favorite brands to work with are the ones that allow me to ask questions. Mm -hmm. So even if they are maybe making these broad sustainability claims and without having a business model rooted in that, if they're open to criticism and questioning. I think that's a really big sign. So I think transparency overall, because if anyone is making the claim that they're the most, like they're doing everything perfectly, like it's just, that's a big red flag. So I would say transparency to me is a very important kind of gateway into sustainability that if a brand isn't transparent, then I'm just like not going to even consider their, their claims. Yes, exactly. Right. Cause it's like, I mean, especially with smaller brands, sometimes maybe they haven't gotten to the point of where they can get all the certifications yes. and all that, you know, but I totally agree that by asking the questions, you know, and they're able to give you, you know, concrete answers, <laughs> that that's really important with, you know, determining if you want to work with someone or buy from, you know, a certain brand. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now for a quick ad break. This episode is sponsored by Valdoho, a plastic-free safety razor brand. For people who shave regularly, switching to a metal razor will cut down on so much waste being produced in your shave routine. The Valdoho safety razor is made to last forever with high quality materials and stainless steel blades that are recyclable. I was nervous when I first used a safety razor But once you get comfortable with it, you'll realize that it's safer and more efficient than disposable razors. Since using the Valdoho razor, I've noticed that I'm not getting razor burn and I'm getting a closer shave. 
So if you're ready to make the switch to a Valdojo safety razor, visit valdojo.com. That's W-L-D-O-H-O.com and use the code Arial10 to save 10% off your purchase. Thanks, Valdojo, for sponsoring this video. Now let's get back to this amazing conversation. So for someone who is maybe thinking about um, transitioning their wardrobe to be more sustainable, do you have any tips for them? Yeah, definitely. I would say um, the first thing is to shop what you already have. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe start with like a Pinterest board or things that you've saved on Instagram and see what you really like. And if that, um, there's certainly some pieces in your wardrobe that fall under that. Um, And try to reimagine how you've previously worn them and how you can rewear them to fit with your style and how it's evolved. Um, The second thing is shop your friends' closets, you know? Like, if you don't have things in your closets that, that, if you have things in your closet that you don't wear, your friends definitely do as well. And there's a high likelihood that your friends will like some of the things you don't wear and vice versa. So I think swapping is, like, a great and super fun way to spruce up your wardrobe um, and experiment with different styles. Um, And the next is thrifting. Um, I think thrifting is a really... And there's so many clothes that end up in thrift stores that aren't purchased. Um, mm-hmm. 80% of what is in a thrift store ends up wow. not being bought. Um, so, oh yeah, so the argument, I mean, I think a while ago there was a lot of debate regarding is thrifting bad if you can afford buying new uh, because Mm -hmm. it is a more accessible option for low-income folks I think um, other than like big bigger and more central pieces like winter jackets and boots and stuff like that I think that on net like thrifting is for everyone because there is just so there's such a high volume of clothes that aren't bought Um, so thrifting I think is a really fun and great way to just experiment and try to spruce things up. And I would say start Mm -hmm. by thrifting more basic things that you want Mm -hmm. to build your style around. Um, And then eventually, like now my wardrobe is probably 95% thrifted. And I, it's, it's weird to realize that, but um, it just starts, (laughs) starts off slowly. Um, And then I guess the step after that, that I would kind of see as a natural progression is find brands that are values aligned that you really like the style of and that you want to invest in. So whether that's saving up for a piece or asking for it for your birthday or Christmas, whatever, um, and treat those garments like, like they are how much they cost. Um, and so that they are meant to last. Um, and so I would say that's kind of my advice for building a more sustainable wardrobe that doesn't hurt your wallet. Yes, exactly. I love the idea of making like a Pinterest board with, you know, inspo and stuff, because once you find your personal style, it makes shopping so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to like walk into a thrift store when you don't even know like what you're like, like it's really, truly not, (laughs) you're not going to be successful. Yeah. 
Exactly. Or you buy a bunch of things and like you never wear them because it's like, oh, wait, I, this doesn't match anything I have in my closet. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's not sustainable. No, not at all. <laughs> all right, Zara. I want to talk next of more about like your Instagram and your weekly Earth Wins. What made you start doing that series? Yeah. So I was actually inspired by my friend, Catherine Kellogg. She, her Instagram, uh, handle is going zero waste and mm-hmm. she had a good news Friday series and I asked her if it would be okay if I like did the same thing but with like dancing um yeah. and she was like yeah of course so she was really generous in that but I I did it one week and I truly didn't expect anything of it like I didn't think it would be a series but people really loved it I think I wanted to combine like just like a silly fun dancing vibe um that I saw become more more and more popular kind of during the pandemic Mm -hmm. with with these tidbits of good news and yeah I mean initially I felt kind of silly doing it but it really took off and more than that people's words and feedback to how it is something they look forward to every week and something that kind of sustains their activism, which is really the goal of it is to encourage people who are already in this space, who are already either, you know, working and advocating for our planet, that their efforts are not for not, you know, um, that their yeah. their efforts are valued. And even though it doesn't seem like it, even though there's tons of bad news, that there are uh, monumental impacts when we when we organize and when we advocate and when we use our voices so that's kind of the background behind that um i also realized that i myself was feeling burnt out with what i was studying and working on and it's really easy to kind of fall into a hole of despair and i felt myself doing that so these videos and sourcing these tidbits of good news every week has been really helpful for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's always so uplifting to see that pop up on my feed every Friday. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yay, there's good things happening in the world. <laughs> Honestly, some weeks it's like, dang, like there's a lot of things and I can't believe these yeah. items aren't talked about. And I'm really excited and very grateful for this opportunity because I'm actually – I got a book deal because of it, which I like would have never wow. anticipated. So I'm writing a book yeah. right now on climate optimism, um, systemic change, and celebrating wins around the world. So I'm highlighting communities in the global south that typically don't get a lot of attention um, and how they are pioneering solutions to the climate crisis. But also in the first section of the book, unpacking a lot of the biases that we have as humans that make it more difficult for us to become optimists and more specifically climate optimists. Um, Mm. And so I'm really excited to just get that in in people's hands because a lot of the biases that we've formed um, and that we're naturally inclined towards have only been accelerated by the pandemic and by TikTok and by short form content um, and by the spread of disinformation. So I'm really excited to hopefully you know, produce something that is, is a longer, more, uh, what's the word of something that lives like evergreen form of form of content that, that people can actually like reference and, and look back at that maybe doesn't sit on social media. 
Yes, yes. Wow. Is there a release date for the book? Um, the pre the pre order date is next next Earth Day, so or next next uh, Earth month, so twenty twenty three. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh! How exciting! Yeah, I'm really really stoked. Yes. So let's talk more about climate optimism. Yeah. Like, um, how do you stay motivated? You know, what keeps you going? Yeah, I think understanding that really at, at its core, there's no other option. If you want to, if you care about these issues and you want to make a difference, you can't give up. Even mm -hmm. if all the signs point to doomism, which they don't, yeah. which is good. Um, you just can't give up. Um, and I think in terms of actual practices that have helped me do that is being really critical about the news that I follow, the media sources that I follow on, on social media as well. Mm -hmm. um, the kind of holes, research holes I allow myself to go into, um, mm -hmm. and also sourcing out not only positive news, but like the stories of people who have really truly no other choice but to adapt and find solutions um, when governments fail to do so that can inspire. So again, the, the people predominantly in the global south who are just oftentimes left out of conversations surrounding climate solutions. Um, mm -hmm. And in the, in the West, we tend to prioritize these like sexy climate tech, carbon capture, SpaceX kind of solutions um, mm -hmm. without acknowledging like people who have had to build levees around their house um, because they constantly get flooded or have created a community garden for their community to increase access to food sovereignty, right? We don't tend to glorify those smaller scale localized examples that have so much more power in building resilience, resiliency mm -hmm. than, in my opinion, does like a multi-billion dollar investment that like we read yeah. about in Washington Post. Right, right, exactly. That's kind of my goal with this podcast yeah. is to highlight, you know, women of color who are doing things like in their own way to make a difference. Yeah. So yeah, that's so important to, that. spread, to spread that news. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, when, let's see, what was my next question? It totally left me. What happened? <laughs> um, let's see. Wow. So <laughs> when, <laughs> oh yeah, no, this was one of my questions. How do you find good news, you know, good climate news? Because it seems like all of the headlines typically are, you know, not so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just, on Google, you can actually have news alerts. And so you can enter keywords that you want to be notified about in your inbox mm -hmm. whenever they're used in an article. So that's one thing that I do. Um, and it just delivers news to my inbox. Now, a lot of the, I have to like, you know, shuffle through and not everything yeah. matches up, yeah. but that's kind of right. an easier way um, to get stuff directly to you. Um, and then I literally just every week just search for the latest environmental news. Um, and there is 
always at least a few stories that are more positive than the ones that we hear about. So um, right. just understanding that, that it exists, but because of the negativity bias, which I, which I write about, um, which has long been known about, but it's basically our tendency to prioritize negative information um, as more important, more truthful. There's studies shown that humans just like see when something, a fact is framed in a negative way versus a positive way, say like uh, 60% of, you know, this is a made up fact, but say a fact was like 60% of women are are satisfied in their jobs um, versus 40% of women are dissatisfied in their jobs. Yes. That fact is seen as or perceived by humans as more truthful than the 60%, um, which is so, so interesting. So yeah, um, yeah did, did that answer your question? Yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. So you just, you know, try to put a positive spin on it pretty much. Yeah, basically, because the information is out yeah. there. It's just Right. doesn't grab as many eyes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It seems like people kind of want to see bad news, like, you know, it kind of um, validates their, their thought pattern, you know, exactly. Like, oh, it's all bad. Yeah, exactly. I also think, and this is like a hard pill to swallow, but I think mm -hmm. a lot of people um, who even they believe that they have a duty to do something for the environment to protect the environment and they have these values it's easier to think that like change isn't possible or on the horizon because it absolves them of their responsibility in like fighting towards a change or saying like yeah. i'm just one person um but all change starts with one person and yeah um so i think there's a lot there's a ton of just like psychological components that make optimism more difficult, especially with like something as large and obtuse as our planet's like <laughs> vitality, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So true. Um, okay. My last question, like on this topic is um, like when we see the IPCC reports and stuff like that, it seemed to me like it was kind of negative. I mean, it seems like oftentimes like climate change reports and, you know, different conferences always kind of come back negative. So, I mean, we know that, that it's, you know, it's difficult and there's going to be a lot of change that has to come in order for us to fight climate change. But when you see like negative reports like that, do, does it give you, you know, doom and gloom? Are you still able to be positive even after seeing that like do you put your own positive spin on it yeah I think that's an important caveat that I failed to mention is that like these reports are by and large for policymakers and yeah. people who have neglected to act um, and I think the unfortunate uh, impact of of these reports coming out is that um, obviously, media picks it up, and then citizens interpret this this information. Um, my content is definitely like this framework of climate optimism. Like, I don't want any policymaker to listen to it. <laughs> like, I yeah, want right. to be for like people who are having existential crises. Like, 
mm-hmm. who are 14 years old and don't know if they like should have a family or you know any any person yeah. who feels the weight of their the world on their shoulders not for like yeah. politicians who have failed to act or failed to listen to the evidence for years and decades i think yeah, that's a very important distinction of like this climate optimism, not for them. Like they need to be yes. looking at these like hard facts that are very grim and that predict that if we don't act now, if we don't half our emissions by 2030, we will exceed the 1.5 degrees uh, limit above pre-industrial mm-hmm. times. Um, mm-hmm. And the consequences of that are abundant in all, a variety of spheres, whether it's economic or health. Um, so I think that's definitely something important. So I definitely read each kind of report that comes out with, uh, an eye, one eye geared towards like, what, what is this saying to policymakers, to people in power? What is this saying to consumers, citizens, just regular people? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I often hear people say like, oh, my, you know, me just using a water bottle or thrifting isn't going to make a difference. What do you say to people like that? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I mean, it's, if you are looking at that in an absolutist frame, I get, it's not going to make a difference if mm. you one day get a plastic water bottle because you forgot your water bottle at home, but it's about like your impact. So that's why I don't love the term influencers because like really truly everyone has an influence um and whether it's your family your friends people that just you see on the street um there is there is weight and gravity in your responsibility to uh leverage that influence for Mm -hmm. for good so just Mm -hmm. as it's not going to do anything to the planet when if you forgot your water bottle at home um if you constantly tell people about like, oh, this is how much plastic waste is generated in, you know, a year. Um, there's more plastic projected to be in the sea by 2050 than fish. Like that's what gets people thinking. Yes. So I think it's actions paired with knowledge um, mm-hmm. that really become impactful. Because if you have the knowledge and information and you're just spewing it, people are going to be like, okay, well, what are you doing about it, Right. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you just do the action without knowing the facts, people are going to be like, "What is what weight does this really have? So I think both are really important. But also the reminder that like as one person, you can only change the world with other people. Um, so getting other people into this movement is the, to, in my opinion, is the primary should be the primary kind of goal rather than taking your water bottle to work every day. Yes, 100% agree. Because, you know, not everyone is looking at the news and like thinking about things from a climate perspective or like a health of the planet perspective, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that being an example in your own community, you know, like with your friends and your family and stuff, that has way more of an impact than carrying your water bottle because you're getting more people on board, you know, like you can only do so much as yourself, but when you get other people involved, that makes so much more of an impact. Yes. So totally agree. Absolutely. Yes. 
All right, Sara. It's been amazing having you on today. Thank you so much for having me, Ariel. Yes, please tell everyone where they can find you online and all the awesome things you're doing. Yes, absolutely. Um, really appreciate what you're doing with your platform in this podcast and uplifting women of color in this space. So I think that's really admirable. But um, thank you. I am on Instagram and TikTok as Soulful Seeds. Um, and my website is soulfulseedsblog.com. And that's kind of where I live on the internet. Yes. And then also in the loop coming yes. soon. <laughs> yes. yes. It's rent in the loop on Instagram and you can sign up for our, our email list on our website, which is rentintheloop.com. Yes. And then we'll be looking for your book next <laughs> earth month. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> I am so excited. Thank you so much. Yay. And then our last question is, what does being a sustainable brown girl mean to you? Yes. I love that. Um, and love how you close with that. So to me, being a sustainable brown girl means having, using my identity and exploring my identity culturally, religiously, everything, um, and how it has brought me to care about the planet. So, um, you know, from as early as I can remember, my mom was recycling, like, not recycling, but upcycling plastic mm -hmm. straws and containers that we had from takeout. And I would bring them to school for lunch, and I would be embarrassed because I was like, people would look at me and, and make comments, but that's what it meant for her to be, you know, a sustainable brown girl. That's how she was raised. Yeah. And even though she wasn't, she didn't actively know about the facts of climate change, she was taught to use what was already in her hands. Um, so to me, it's just using my identities to explore how I am, where I'm at, and why I'm fighting for what I'm fighting for. Yes, I love that. So amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks again, Zara, for coming on. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. You as and well. Please, really. Thank you. Yes. Please go follow Zara if you if you aren't for whatever crazy reason. But yes, you will not be disappointed. <laughs> Thanks again. Of course. Thank you. If you want to keep the conversation going, follow us at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at sustainablebrowngirl.com and send any questions, comments, or topic ideas to podcast at sustainablebrowngirl.com. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about your favorite episode. Donate to Patreon if you can, and be sure to watch the full video interview on YouTube. Until next time, let's continue to make better choices for the health of our bodies and the planet. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Valdojo for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to use the code ARIEL10 for 10% off your safety razor purchase. Links are in the show notes.